to Pediatric Meltdown, the podcast about children's mental health and emotional well-being. I'm Dr. Leah Gagino, a primary care pediatrician, and I created this podcast for the pediatric medical community and anyone who cares about children's behavioral health. Pediatric Meltdown offers thoughtful conversations featuring experts from the field. Learn practical strategies from the best and become a savvier clinician. Hey listeners, welcome back to Pediatric Meltdown. This is a special bonus episode. You may know that it's a little bit out of order, but it's really more of an announcement for my pediatric trainees that are out there or anyone who works with them. This is an exciting opportunity for them to elevate their work, so um, please share. My guest today is Madeline Norris. Dr. Norris is a second-year pediatrics resident at New York University Langone and she is planning to pursue child and adolescent psychiatry. Woohoo! She is the deputy editor for Pediatrics, the journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and she edits the section on pediatric trainees feature every month. Please join me in welcoming Madeline Norris. Hey, Madeline, how are you? Hi, Leah. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is kind of a off-schedule recording because we have a time-sensitive offer, if you will. So <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about that. But before we dive into the specifics, I wanted you to tell listeners just a little bit about your pediatric journey and where you are in that journey right now. Yeah, so I am a um, PGY2 resident um, in the categorical pediatrics tract at NYU. However, I actually started out as a child neurology resident and halfway through my intern year realized that my passion actually lay in pediatric mental health. And so I did a big pivot and switched from the child neurology tract to the um, categorical pediatrics tract so that after residency, I can pursue child psychiatry and become a triple boarded um, child psychiatrist. So right now, just a categorical pediatrics resident, but hopefully soon to be child psychiatrist. That is wonderful news. We need you for sure. <laughs> well, I'm so excited that you're already interested in leadership. And maybe you can tell listeners a little bit about your involvement at the American Academy of Pediatrics, the section on pediatric trainees. So can you talk a little bit about how you got into that and maybe how people that are out there, residents, med students, and fellows could get involved? Yeah, definitely. So the AAP has a section on pediatric trainees, which is a really active group in the AAP. I was actually selected by my program leadership to be the SOPT representative last year. And so I got to go to the AAP conference in Anaheim, California last October. And there I learned so much about the AAP and SOPT's advocacy efforts. It made me want to get even more involved. Um, but there's a ton of different opportunities for medical students and residents and fellows to become a part of um, the section on pediatric trainees. Britt Nagy is the, I think she's the administrative director of the SOPT and she sends out emails weekly with all of the opportunities. And there's a lot of different leadership roles for trainees to have within SOPT, whether it's within like SOPT administratively or the advocacy campaign or as a liaison to some of the other sections within the AAP. 
there's so many different opportunities. My roommate at the conference was a medical student and she was one of the organizers of the SOPT abstract competition because, you know, trainees can submit um, abstracts to this competition and then showcase them at the conference. And she was just a medical student, but she had this incredible opportunity and learned so much about research and the AAP. And also the AAP paid for her to go to the conference, which was nice to sweeten the deal as well. So you just have to apply and look out for things. And, you know, even if you don't think that you are the best qualified or that you are somebody who might get the position, I I really, really would encourage everybody to just just apply for things. You don't know until you apply what they're going to say to you. Well, and I would second that the section on pediatric trainees is incredibly active. And as a a leader that came up through the chapters, I wish I'd known about the section on pediatric trainees in my early career because what you all do is so incredible. One of the things is putting forward resolutions. And those are things that come to the floor at the annual leadership conference that get debated and discussed about what should be important and in front of the AAP and the board as far as the direction that we need to take. And trainees put forward lots of resolutions. So there's all kinds of things. And I'll make sure that I put in the show notes the link so that anybody listening who would like to become a member of the section on pediatric trainees can do so. Also, in case you are already in practice and you're in early career, there's also the section on early career physicians, and I'll put that link in too. Well, tell me about a special role that you have in the section on pediatric trainees as a liaison to the pediatrics journal. So I am the deputy editor for the SOPT feature in the journal. So the journal pediatrics, the official journal of the AAP, publishes a feature every month. And one of those features is specifically from the perspective of a trainee. So our feature publishes narrative pieces on all topics related to pediatrics. However, they must be from a trainee's perspective. And there's three editors. There's a deputy editor, the chief editor, and then the outgoing editor. And so I started my term as the deputy editor this year, the three-year term. And that was something I learned about at the conference, The one of the many ways that SOPT is involved in the AAP. And something really wonderful about the SOPT feature is we really focus on education. So we get a lot of submissions that are on incredible topics that I think would be really wonderful to publish on and that the AAP would absolutely get behind. However, even if those are not at the level of publication yet, we focus a lot on developmental editing and will provide these authors with lots of feedback on how to elevate their work to publication level. And so we'll often meet with authors one-on-one and go through their piece and discuss how best to how to rework it and how to edit it so that it is in the best shape and able to be published. And we really want to encourage authors to write and use writing as a means of reflection and a way to share their voice during training. So 
we provide a lot of personal encouragement and support for all authors. And even if a piece is not accepted and, you know, we don't give a revision, we always offer other avenues for which the author can consider publication as well. I love that. It's like coaching and mentoring. And I think it's important for trainees to think about publishing. I mean, that's not something that was on my radar. I would never have even thought about that. But I know it's now really important as people are applying for residencies and fellowships to have work that can be cited. Well, I know that every year that the Section on Pediatric Trainees chooses a campaign. And this year's advocacy campaign is called Races Against Aces. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So this year, like you said, the campaign is Races Against Aces. And that is referring to the land Mark paper from 1998 on adverse childhood experiences. And I know it's a very ubiquitously known in the pediatric community what ACEs are, but do you want me to do like a two sentence summary of what they are? Sure. Okay. So adverse childhood experiences or ACEs were coined by this paper in 1998. And they talk about the 10 categories of childhood experiences that were found to have a dose dependent impact on adult health outcomes. So these are things like physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, or neglect, domestic violence, parental mental health disorders, or substance use disorders, and amongst other things. And exposure to these risk factors increased children's risk of developing adult adverse health outcomes. And so ACEs are incredibly common. Over half of adults report experiencing at least one ACE during childhood, a quarter experience two or more, and 12.5% experience four or more. And as I said before, there's a dose-dependent relationship. And so it's incredibly significant that that high of a percentage of adults report experiencing four or more ACEs because that puts them at much higher risk of developing negative health impacts. So the SOPT advocacy campaign this year, it's broken up into three phases. They always break the campaign up into three or four phases. The first was understand. And so they had expert speakers come address SOP members about the latest science behind ACEs and the role the medical system plays in ACEs. And that was often just like, how are ACEs defined? How are the definitions changing? What is the latest science behind that? That just finished in about January. Now we're in the second phase, which is evaluate. And essentially learning about what current practices there are for ACEs screenings, how has this changed over time, and how can we target these screenings to be more effective. So once that finishes about in the summer, then the last phase is respond. So using all of the knowledge that we've accrued in the past few months to learn about how pediatricians can take action to address ACEs. And How can we as trainees use our voices to create systemic change at the personal, institutional, and broader policy levels? And it's very interesting that the advocacy campaign focuses on many different forms of advocacy. So legislative advocacy, as well as advocacy within, you know, the individual patient level or at the program level or local level. And I think that is particularly empowering because different trainees have access to different things and are also motivated to respond in different ways. And the advocacy campaign takes that into consideration and allows trainees to use their voice in whatever capacity they feel is right for them. Well, I think this topic is really important. And I hope and think that most pediatricians do know about 
ACEs, about toxic stress, about trauma and its impact. And, you know, for those of you that are out there listening, thinking, yeah, but that's not me. I mean, I can tell you that I have four ACEs and how it's impacted me is probably anxiety disorder, postpartum, those kinds of things. But I think that the piece is also important in kind of identifying those is then the resilience piece because your ACE score doesn't define your your life. I mean, there are many things that you can do. And I will include links to Andy Garner's episode on toxic stress and really lifting above that. And also Heather Forkey's episode on trauma, especially relating to foster care kids. There's also a link to something called ACEs Too High, which is a website. And if you want to know about your own ACEs, then you can dial in. I like the way your campaign is structured. It it kind of reminds me of the mantra that I have for this podcast, and that's no better, do better. So the no better, the education and the evaluate piece, and then this action. So I think oftentimes we learn about things and then the action piece is the hard one because we get back into our busy lives and we just don't make those next steps. So congrats and shout out to the trainees for, you know, moving this forward. Well, as a part of that campaign, there is an opportunity for trainees to submit their narrative work to the pediatric journal. And maybe you can talk a little bit about what the submission should look like, what are the criteria, and how soon can they do that? Yes. So every year, coinciding with the advocacy campaign, the SOP feature in pediatrics offers an essay competition in relation to the advocacy campaign. And so this year, it's obviously related to races against ACEs. So submissions open on Friday, March 3rd, and the deadline for consideration is April 14th at midnight. We can include the submission criteria in the show notes, I'm sure. I'm happy to go through all of the criteria right now, like word count and author number, but yeah. Just just bullet point a couple of things like, you know, if I'm out there and I heard you say this and kind of piqued my interest, what should I know as I, you know, like how much time is this going to take me to do and yeah. what should I be thinking about? So first off, all trainees can apply. So medical students, residents and fellows. And the word limit is 1,200 words. You can have four authors. So the trainee has to be the first author, but you can have other trainees or attendings or anybody as your other authors to assist you. And then you can have a maximum of 15 references. Please don't make me read more than 15 references and (laughs) check. (laughs) That will be the end of my life. Each essay is going to be reviewed by the editorial board. So like I said, there's three trainee editors, and then there's also a faculty editor as well. And then one edited revision will be offered to the top five finalists because we love giving revisions. We love talking to trainees about how better to elevate their work and how to give their voice the loudest call that it can. And then from this group of five, we'll choose two finalists. And then the winning article among those two will be selected by the editor-in-chief and deputy editor of the journal Pediatric. So Lewis First and Alex Kemper will be the final judges in the essay competition. And then 
The winning essay will be featured in the journal, and the author will also be invited to present their article at the SOPT um, Assembly at the AAP conference in October in Washington, D.C. That sounds that sounds really exciting. Is there just a, a brief description about kind of what kind of topic that you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna just going to read off the prompt specifically. Great minds, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm so glad we connected. This truly you truly are like on my wavelength. Okay. Essentially the prompt is talking about ACEs and you know we go into what exactly are ACEs and specifically how the COVID-19 pandemic has intensified this experience for many children. There have been um, higher incidents of primary ACEs, so domestic violence and like mental health disorders amongst family members, which are in itself ACEs. And researchers have actually deemed this phenomenon a shadow pandemic. And then those traumas coupled with the trauma of living through a global pandemic and the fear and anxiety that underlies all of that has amplified rates of mental illness and suicide attempts among adolescents with more ACEs. So our prompt is that we're encouraging trainees to reflect on all of those issues and many questions that we are posing. So for example, how can pediatric trainees foster resilience amongst our patients experiencing ACEs? How have ACEs you personally experienced shaped your career path and identity as a physician? Like you said, you've experienced ACEs, Leah, and how has that inspired you to probably create this podcast and, you know, be an advocate for other, for patients? How can pediatricians recognize and mitigate these issues during patient encounters in training programs and at the policy level, as we mentioned before? And I'm really excited to read all of the narrative reflections responding to any or all of the questions that we ask or other insights or thoughts that trainees have on this issue. I think there's it's incredibly broad and there's so many things that, that we can learn about and so many different perspectives that trainees can bring to the table. I love that in, you know, the I, I'm thinking, is COVID-19 going to be added as an ACE for youth today? You know, will that be the number 11? You know, I mean, I think we can all think about our experiences. I certainly remember at the very beginning, probably in April of 20, coming home from the hospital and being in just stark terror in that, am I going to get sick and die and have to die alone? Is my husband going to get sick because I've brought something home and He's older and has some health issues. And, you know, just this intense fear of not knowing. I remember being on my phone like a gazillion times looking at the CDC sites and John Hopkins sites like, what do they know? What do they know? And I think the other is this isolation that we all experienced and, you know, kids not being able to go to school, not being able to see our friends, our grandparents, women delivering babies alone. So I think there's a lot to reflect on. And, you know, we each have our own trauma story about the pandemic. So I hope that med students, residents, and fellows out there take a minute to sit down and just reflect. I mean, this is not a, you know, a, a, a deep research study. This is about you and what you're feeling. Well, I think this is a really exciting opportunity, and I'm so glad that you brought this to me so we can get the word out. Thank you so much, Leah. I really appreciate you amplifying the word and helping us let all the trainees know about this opportunity to reflect and to write 
and get their voice out there published in such an incredible journal. And if you're not a trainee, but you work with trainees, please encourage them to submit their work. Well, in closing, I often ask guests, what would you do if you could go back and give yourself advice when you were a resident? So being a resident, let's go the other direction. What advice can you give to your future self and attendings that are out there and may have forgotten or tried to forget Mm -hmm. what happened in residency and training? (laughs) I hope that I remember that trainees are learners, but they're also adults and they've been learners their entire life. And to practice humility and recognize that trainees can teach you things as well. I always am so grateful when attendings are able to recognize that and acknowledge the ways that they can learn from medical students or residents and that, you know, we have things to bring to the table as well. While I am still a trainee, I'm almost 30 and and an adult and have had my own lived experience that, you know, that I can bring new ideas to the table and contribute to the team. And I think there are some attendings who forget that or selectively choose to forget that because it makes things more complicated. But I feel so much more respected when an attending is able to practice humility and acknowledge that there are things that they don't know, things outside the scope of their practice, and things that we as trainees may be closer to and may know better or have personal experience with. I think that's a really well-taken point in that, you know, it's okay not to know. You're not stupid. You just don't know about that. And it's okay to be curious and take in the information from other people. I mean, the idea somehow that I'm supposed to know everything and be above, you know, just not having that piece of information. And I think, you know, in my work with, with trainees, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, you guys are studying this stuff intensely and have the time to do that. So maybe you're reading about the latest treatment for leukemia that I don't know because I trained a while ago, right? And I don't do that work every day. So yes, we need more people to inform your collateral information, if Mm -hmm. you will. So, well, thank you so much for that wisdom and good luck to you in your career. And I'm delighted that you're choosing child psychiatry. (laughs) Thank you. I I hope I get to work with you again in the future. Well, absolutely. You know where to find me. (laughs) Well, listen, take care. And again, listeners, I will put links and information for the submission, some other podcasts that you might be interested in. I did one on narrative medicine um, that was actually a woman who is an attorney, but had some lived experience of her own with her son and talks about her journey and writing poetry and how that helped her and her family. So I'll make sure to include that as well. Well, listen, Madeline, have a great rest of the day. And again, my many thanks to you and all the trainees out there. You too. Thank you. Well, that was fun. I so enjoy working and talking with the trainees because they bring so much energy So here are my quick takeaways. Number one, thank you to Madeline and as I mentioned before, to all the pediatric trainees who can keep us on our toes. Number two, the section on pediatric trainees is truly a force to be reckoned with. Their energy and ideas know no limits. 
If you're a trainee, including a medical student, resident, or fellow, please check out the section on pediatric trainees at the AAP. There's a home for you here, and there is a link in the show notes. Number three, if you're already out in practice, please consider joining the section on early career physicians or one of the other sections and councils that you can join to make a difference. And heads up for those of you that are interested in mental health, the Council on Healthy Mental and Emotional Development is coming soon and will be a place for those of us who are interested in mental health. Number four, the section on pediatric trainees chose Races Against Aces as the advocacy campaign. The campaign includes an opportunity for trainees to submit narratives on the impact of trauma on children and youth fostering resilience and personal impact, and especially if they want to discuss the impact of COVID-19 and how it amplified some aces and certainly worsened the crisis in mental health. Number five submission criteria to the journal. The submission should be a maximum of 1,200 words, and you can have up to four authors, but the first author needs to be a trainee, and there should be no more than 15 references. Five finalists will be chosen, and they will have revision support, and then of those five, two finalists will be selected. The winner will be chosen by editors Dr. Lewis First and Alex Kemper, and that will be published in the journal. Please consider submitting your story. Submissions will be accepted as of March 3rd, so it's already open, and you have until April 14th at midnight to submit. Again, check out the link in the show notes. Number six, I love Madeline's advice to attendings. From the point of view of a trainee, we are learners, but are also adults, and you can learn from us too. Residents value attendings who acknowledge not knowing and modeling humility and vulnerability. We are, after all, all human and all learners. If you are new to the podcast, please share this with your colleagues, partners, and friends. I love to hear suggestions from listeners, and you can DM me on Instagram at Pediatric Meltdown or email me at www.medicalbhs.com and at L at medicalbhs.com. Have a wonderful day and be proud to be a pediatrician, a mental health professional, an educator, or anyone who puts kids first. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pediatric Meltdown, and I hope you found it as interesting as I did. In the words of Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Let's do better together. Music was composed by Connor McHugh and cover art was designed by Alexia Barrero. If you would like to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at Dr. Leah Gugino and on Instagram at Pediatric Meltdown. I would love listener ideas and suggestions and hope to hear from you. Thank you so much and I hope you will join me next week.